The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. When was the last time that you were so scared that you fell on your face? So scared that you didn't think to take off running or to put up a fight, but instead you played dead. When was the last time that happened? I was trying to think about the kinds of occasions when someone might do that. Suppose that a grizzly bear attacks you in the woods and you think to yourself, I've got no way out of this. You might drop dead, falling flat on your face, and just commend yourself to the mercy of that bear. It might happen in war if you're a soldier on the battlefield and you can tell that all is lost. It might happen that terror strikes you and you just fall flat on your face. It's possible, but really it's pretty rare. Most of the time, most of the time, we think we can find a way out. That fight or flight mechanism kicks in, and we try to do something to save ourselves most of the time. But not so for Peter and James and John today. There they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they fell flat on their faces for terror. They were so scared that they didn't bother trying to put up a fight or trying to run away. Instead, they lay there as though they were dead. It's kind of a perplexing thing. The whole story is kind of perplexing. Peter and James and John were accustomed to being taken aside by Jesus. They were kind of his inner circle. Peter, Simon, the one on whom Jesus says he will build his church, that rock, Peter, the bold and blustering fellow who always says what's on his mind, along with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to whom Jesus gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, because nothing would get in their way. They were always ready for a fight, but not today. For Peter and James and John, there they were on the mountain, accustomed to being taken aside by Jesus for special occasions, to draw close to him, to hear his thoughts, to be that inner circle. And up on the mountain, they see this vision of heavenly splendor. Jesus is transfigured before them, which means that his appearance changes entirely. And you heard the details. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light Other evangelists tell us that his clothes were whiter than any 
fuller can make them. Any bleach, amount of bleach you could add to them would never make them as white as these clothes were. And there, to make matters even more perplexing, stand Moses and Elijah. Moses, who's been long, long dead, and Elijah, who was taken up into heaven by the Lord in a chariot of fire. Here they stand on the mountain, talking with Jesus. And Peter and James and John are perplexed. But notice this. When they see all of these things on the mountain, they are not yet afraid. They're not yet afraid. They've seen Jesus with his face shining like the sun and his clothes radiant white and Moses and Elijah, but they're not afraid. In fact, Peter has the wherewithal to say to the Lord, Lord, it's good that we're here. This is just where I want to be. In fact, it would be good to stay here forever. So if you would like, I'll build some tents some dwelling places, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, Peter evidently thinks that they've reached the eternal dwelling place, that they are now in heaven with Jesus, that this is everything they've been waiting for and it is good to be here. This is where I want to stay. Let's just stay like this forever, dear Lord. Not afraid. One bit. No terror yet. But while Peter is making his suggestion about building those tents, there comes voice from heaven, thundering from heaven, as you can imagine. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then, when the disciples heard that, they fell on their faces and were terrified. It was not the sight of Jesus and Moses and Elijah that terrified them, but it was the voice from heaven, and I would go a step further, it was what the voice said that terrified them. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. That is, listen not to anyone else, any other savior, any other prophet, any other voice with authority. Listen not to the clamoring voices of this world. Listen not to the lies of the devil. Listen not to friends and family with good ideas and advice and insight. Listen not to your own heart with its sinful desires. Instead, Listen to Jesus. And when they heard it, they were terrified. To make sense of that, I think we have to go back to the beginning of the story. What is it about that voice and those words that would make this one such occasion where Peter and James and John are not ready to put up a fight and not ready to run away, but instead give up entirely? This is not the first time that Peter has fallen down before Jesus. When Peter was called as an apostle, he was fishing. And his partners were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus was preaching to a crowd, and then after he had, done, after he had finished preaching, he told Peter to push out his boat a little bit from shore and to cast out his nets into the deep for a catch of fish. And Peter said, Lord, we've been toiling all night and have not caught anything, but at your word we will let down the nets. Peter was listening to Jesus. That's a good start for an apostle to listen to Jesus. Well, he lets down the nets, and they bring up a catch of fish so great that it begins to sink the boat. And at that moment, when Peter recognizes what is happening to him, he falls down on his knees before Jesus, and he says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In that moment, when Peter sees the miracle, the scale of Jesus' power, he knows that he doesn't have any business spending time with Jesus, being near him. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. How can I be in your presence? You're evidently someone greater and holier than I am. Depart from me. Peter was afraid. 
not yet so afraid that he falls on his face, not yet so afraid that he gives up all hope, he pleads with Jesus just to keep his distance. Kind of like the people of Israel in the Old Testament when Moses was on the mountain with God and God's voice was thundering and they said, Moses, you go and talk to God for us. We'd like to keep our distance from him. It's a little bit too much for us. That'll solve the problem if you just stay away from me. Peter was scared in that moment. But Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I have a job for you. And so Peter left everything. He left his nets. So did James and John. They left everything and followed Jesus. And that is a miraculous thing. They thought and believed in that moment what was truly happening to them. And in fact, it was, was that the Messiah had come. The one they were long expecting. The Savior promised by God through the prophets and all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were cast out from the garden. This was that moment. Their Savior was here. And so they followed him. They followed him and saw all of his miracles, witnessed all of the healing, all of his precious words. They listened carefully as he proclaimed to the people peace and the coming of the kingdom of God. They were startled by some of the things Jesus did, but they followed and they paid close attention. And they tried to follow his example. There was that time that Peter and the other disciples were on a boat And they were making painful headway, and Jesus came walking to them on the water. And when they recognized that it was the Lord, Peter said, in typical manner, Lord, tell me to get out of the boat and come walking to you, and I will do it. And so Jesus said, come on out and walk to me. And Peter did it, walking on the water, following Jesus' example. But then, when he saw the wind and the waves, and he took his eyes off his Savior, he began to be afraid. And in his fear, he began to sink. And in his fear, he cried out to his Savior, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved Peter from sinking and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Where Jesus is with you, you have nothing to fear, not wind or waves, nor sinking beneath the sea. Nothing can harm you. Peter was afraid, but not so afraid that he could not cry out for mercy. Today, however, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter and James and John, they give up entirely. They give up entirely. They're lying face down before Jesus, not pleading for mercy. They have nothing left, no hope in the world. They think this is the end. And what a trauma that must have been to go from this moment of a heavenly vision, thinking you're in heaven, and now thinking that it's all over for you. Terror had struck them. Why? I think it's really important to know a little bit more about the immediate context. Listen to him, the voice said. What had Jesus been saying to the disciples? Well, Jesus had taught them a whole bunch of things in the chapters just before our lesson today. He had taught them about who he truly is and asked them, who do people say that I am? And Peter confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of God. But when Jesus said, okay, Peter, you've got that right. I am the Christ, the Son of God, and that means that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and the leaders are going to hang me up on a cross and kill me, and bury me in the ground, and in three days I will rise, Peter said, Lord, I hear you, but that can't be true. Lord, I hear you, but that's not going to happen to you. Certainly not you, Lord. You're not going to die and be laid in a grave. I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but I don't want to listen to them. That's what Peter was thinking. 
And then the story goes on a little bit further. Jesus pulls his disciples aside and he says to them that he's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. But if you want to follow me, here's what you have to do. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross. After all, if you want to save your life, you must first lose it. If you try to keep your life, you will lose it. But if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and go along the path that I am going. If Peter was uncomfortable with Jesus going to the cross and into the grave, you can imagine how uncomfortable he would have been about that prospect for himself as well. And I think it's easy to imagine how those words would just get glossed over. Jesus said it to the disciples three times. I'm going to go and die, and you must follow me. Three times he said it, and even then they were perplexed and confused and didn't quite want to listen to him. Yes, they heard his words, but the listening part, that's what was difficult. They were instead listening to all kinds of other voices, particularly this voice, the voice of their own hearts, their own sinful desires. That voice which said, while they were on the mountain, Lord, it is good that we are here. Isn't it great to be on the mountain with you without having had to go to the cross or suffer death or be buried in a grave without having to wait for a resurrection? It is good that we get to enjoy eternity right now. This is the way I like it. That's what they thought to themselves. But they were listening not to Jesus. They were listening to their own hearts. They were listening to their own desires. And so, when the voice came from heaven and startled them, terrified them, knocked them flat on their faces, it was, I think, for this reason. Because the Heavenly Father was insisting, you must listen to him. If you want to enter eternal life, you must listen to Jesus. You must follow him down that mountain. You must follow him to Jerusalem. You must see him be raised on the cross, those nails placed in his hands and his feet. You must see his dead body laid in a tomb. And you must wait three days to see him resurrected. You must follow him. And then the same must happen to you. No, not in exactly the same way. Not nails piercing your hands and your feet. No spear being thrust into your side, no tomb in Judea for you, but nonetheless, you must die in this way, to sin. You must die to sin and all of the wickedness in your heart, which is perhaps worse than any physical death, to give up on yourself, to be laid flat on your face before the righteous God in his holiness. That is what must happen to each one of us as well. You must die to sin. In order to be raised with Christ, you must follow him into the grave. And that is a terrifying prospect. If what you know about the grave is only what everyone knows about the grave, that it is a cold and dark place from which no one emerges, that's terrifying. When God says, listen to him, and he says, you're going to the grave, of course you fall on your face. And that is why I think we follow the season of Christmas so closely with the season of Lent and Easter. Because we are so inclined in our sinful hearts to think, It is good, Lord, to be here. Lord, I love you as a little baby in a manger. Lord, I love you as a 12-year-old boy obeying his parents and showing up those teachers in Jerusalem. Lord, I love you when you put those religious leaders to shame. Lord, I love you when you heal the sick 
when you cure the blind, when you cleanse those who are lepers. Lord, I love you when you do all of these wonderful things for me. But Lord, death, going to the grave, the cross, that's a little bit too far. That, I think, is why Lent and Easter come so quickly after Christmas, not just the timing of the year, but we need it. We need to go with Jesus. We need to see him taken to the cross. We need to see him crucified for our sake. We need to see him pave the way for us. The grave would be a terrifying prospect if all you knew about it is what everyone knows about it. But it should not be terrifying for you because... Your Savior has already made the way open for you. He's like a a, a good father treading a path through deep snow for his kids who are following behind him. He's like a road maker who is clearing the, the brush and clearing all of the little hills and valleys and leveling everything out and laying down asphalt so that we can follow on a smooth way right behind him. Jesus is the one who has taken the grave and removed its sting. He's the one who absorbed into himself all of the misery, all of the grief, all of the suffering, all of the terror of the forsakenness by God. He has taken all of that into himself and paved the way for you and for me. And that is why we need to see him go to the cross. And we need to see him laid in the grave and we need to see him resurrected because we're going the same way and we need to see him victorious. If you don't trust in Jesus... You will follow that path, but in the end, you will be terrified. If you don't trust in Jesus, you will follow that path, and the grave will be a miserable, desperate prospect for you. You will never see your way out of it. But if you follow Jesus, you see one who has already done all of this for you, who has opened the grave so that it cannot hold you, who has been raised to life immortal so that you can follow in his footsteps, who has given to Peter and James and John and even to all of you today a glimpse of heaven. That's what the Lord's Supper is for us, a foretaste of that heavenly banquet where we are eternally with our Savior. He has given that to you, not just to tease you, but to hold you over for a time, knowing that that is coming for you soon. Not misery, not loss, not suffering, not sorrow, not grief, but joy, eternal joy. Peter and James and John are terrified, and I think that that is reflective of how we all think about death. It is a terrifying prospect. But see what Jesus does for Peter and James and John. He reaches out his hand, and he touches them. And he invites them to lift up their eyes, and when they lift up their eyes, they look at Jesus. They see Jesus only. And that is the invitation for you and for me as well. Listen to him, the voice says. Listen to him. And keep your eyes fixed on him. If there was glory on that mountain, that is nothing in comparison with the glory that is promised to the sons of God. That voice from heaven said of Jesus, this is my beloved son. The very same voice from heaven has said of you. You are his beloved children. With you he is well pleased. Nothing can harm you. Nothing should make you afraid. Your Savior is on your side and he is victorious. He goes with you all of the way. He promises to lead you and guide you, and he will never, ever forsake you. To him alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.